Walter said, I just came in Trinity. I just came in from Florida this afternoon. Oh, I like the applause. That's very good. Um, I just came back in from Florida this afternoon, and part of what I heard in Florida is going to be part of what we talk about tonight. Um, first things first, I'd like to find out a little bit more about you, the participants, where you're coming from, what you do. So could I see uh, raising your hands of all of those librarians, school librarians, raise your hands. We have five librarians out there. Oh, six. Come on. You see where the little icon is to raise your hand? Okay. All right. Take your hand down and let's see the hands of all the classroom teachers. teachers. How many of you work directly with teachers in technology? Right, that's 15 of you. And how many of you work at the district level rather than a building level? for um, what, what you do. Part of what I'm going to talk about tonight is obviously from the librarian's perspective. So um, I'll try to remember that as I go through. Um, please help them, um, or please help me if I start talking in library ease and you don't understand what I'm saying, send me a message and I'll try to explain if there's something that I say that people um, don't understand. Uh, as Walter said, I have been, yeah, that's right, librarians rock. Oh, and Gemma fits all the categories. Well, you know, I think that's probably true. Uh, I think there's a lot of us that fit more than one um, uh, category. As Walter said, I've been a librarian uh, for 35 years and 24 of those years I actually spent in a building level. I worked in grades 7 through 9 and then made the big leap and went on to high school where I did grades uh, 9 through 12. And every year I would finish the year and I'd begin thinking about the upcoming year and what did I want to do. Um, and how was I going to change what I did to make it better? And I always asked myself a couple of questions, and one of which was, how do I reach more students? How do I reach more teachers? Is there a segment of my population that I'm not reaching out to? And very importantly, I wanted to make sure that my principal had a good understanding of what I was doing. And now that I'm a supervisor, I have to look at it in terms of what can I do to move my libraries forward. Here in Arlington, we have about uh, 35 uh, 
program, uh, school library programs, and we have uh, 22 elementary schools, five middle schools, four high schools, and two adult continuation programs. So it really does uh, cause me to think outside of the box. How can I deal with all of these different people? And sometimes I feel like uh, I'm dr the one that's dragging. Sometimes I'm the one that's screaming, and a lot of times I'm the one that wants to give kicks, or sometimes I'm the one they want to give a kick to. So it's uh, a real interesting mix of um, things that uh, we have to try to work with. But what I wanted to focus us on tonight in this presentation, oh, well, I lost one of my slides somehow or another. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Let me cut that. Ah, there we go. Uh, somehow or another, a very blurry picture of me was up on the screen. I apologize for that. Um, I wanted us to talk tonight about how we create a library where students and teachers want to be. And I want to preface our discussion with a conversation that I had while I was uh, away this week. Um, my brother-in-law and sister live in a retirement community, and the average age of most of the people there is 75 or better. And so I felt like I was a little baby in the group, and I was probably the only one that was still working. And they would say, oh, and what do you do? Um, and I would say, well, I'm a school librarian. Oh, I just love the library. I just love to read. And I would say, well, you know, that's not the only thing that we do. We don't just um, talk about reading. And I talk about research, and the response was, well, I don't know why you need libraries. Um, isn't everything that kids need today, or, you know, everything we need on the Internet? And that just kind of really uh, has a tendency to make me get up on my soapbox and, and talk to them about, you know, that yes, the internet is nice, but there's a lot of information out there. So as we go through this uh, discussion tonight, one of the things that I want you to think about, and it's in terms of the fact that at this point in time, our libraries all across the country are facing some dramatic budget shifts, and we're having trouble figuring out where the cuts are going to come from. And a lot of times what we're seeing is that the library happens to be one of the places that they feel that they can make some cuts. Um, we're doing a survey right now in Virginia talking to librarians to find out what is the impact of these budget cuts on them. And if we're having to document ourselves uh, and what we do, then we obviously are not doing a good job at advocating for what happens. And that's right, information literacy skills are now more important than they ever will. What I'd like for you to think about uh, through this whole presentation is that and at the end we'll have a chance to, uh, for you to share out with me is if you had to describe the contribution that you make to a non-educator, to someone who does not have children in school, 
what would you tell them without using library lingo or education ease? Um, so one of the things that I want you to do is think of how do you describe what you do and how important you are without talking about adequate yearly progress, uh, talking about things like information literacy and critical thinking skills. Those are terms that we use so often in our vocabularies that it's sometimes it's very difficult for other people to understand exactly what um, you have to do, what we do. So one of the things I want you to do is think about that. So um, I entitled this session Dragging and Kicking and Screaming because as I said jokingly, I'm not sure sometimes who I'm dragging. Am I dragging the classroom teachers into the library because they feel that the internet is the only place to go? Am I dragging kids there because they think that the internet is the only place to go? And what about our librarians? Um, what are their attitudes? Have we changed our programs to be responsive to the needs of today's students? And it does feel that way sometimes that, you know, they don't want to be here. Um, but I think all of us that are here tonight understand that it is so important um, that we explain what it is that we do in the library and what we have to offer. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about for the next time. Um, it has become very apparent that um, students think they know how to do research. But they really do want and need a guide through the maze of online and print resources. Statistics show that when students do open Google searches, they rarely go beyond the first page of hits. They don't realize that there are algorithms in place that determine what those top five um, themes are. There's a really cool website. Um, I didn't put it on the slide here, but if you email me afterwards, I'll be glad to share it with you. Um, but it's called Thumbshots. And what it does um, is provide you with a way to compare the search strategies of two different search engines. You could put Yahoo versus Google and put in your search term and it would bring across this graph and it would show you with lines where on what page it was, what number hit it was on this website versus this search engine. So it's a really amazing tool. Uh, and it helps students to see that um, it, the URL, uh, I'll have to send it to you. I believe that it's thumbshots.com, um, but I'll have to do the research on it. I had forgotten about it until this evening. And so I, I will go up and look that up. And if you'll email me, I will be glad to um, send that to you. Uh, oh, there we go, thumbshots.com. Thanks, Peggy. I uh, appreciate that. Um, Google, by default, seems to be the most popular one. Uh, a lot of the changes are coming about the new Bing from Microsoft. It's supposed to be a decision by asking you a series of questions to be able to get the information that you need. 
Um, but when you talk to students, they go to Google the first thing and they do a Google search. Um, there's a group of uh, librarians that has a listserv and it's librarians from both academic uh, K-12 and post-secondary um, and it's informa on information literacy and one of the things that they are doing right now is they've been engaging in a conversation about what skills students are missing when they enter their freshman year of college and the fact that they think they know how to do research, but they really don't. Uh, one of the things that, uh, yeah, kids go for brands that Google gets the traffic, that's very true. Um, one of the things that I find most interesting is that so often we ask students to give us reports to go out and find out what somebody else has written and bring it back and put it into a format. Those are the kinds of reports that help to uh, encourage plagiarism. And when we continue to do that, um, we're not teaching students how to really think on their own. Uh, AASL, the American Association of School Librarians, has recently re uh, uh, put out some standards for students. The thing that I like about the standards for the 21st century learner is that it talks about uh, an ongoing process and one of the things that's been very interesting is it's called dispositions and it talks about what are the behaviors that we want to contemplate uh, or, or develop in students so that they have lifelong habits. I like that. I think that sometimes when a student comes into the library, uh, that we put them on trial. We begin to ask a series of questions. You know, uh, who sent you to the library? What are you supposed to do? What is the report supposed to be on? Uh, how many pages does it have to be? What kind of format does it have to be? But these are the questions that we ask that be able to guide them to the right information. And that's why I say that we become a guide. I have one librarian who calls herself a travel agent and she says there are many ways to get to the destination which is to turn in that final paper and it's her job to provide them with all the alternative routes. Um, if you go into your GPS, one of the things that you have the option of doing is selecting how you want to get there. Do you want the fastest way? Do you want the one that avoids the freeway? Do you want um, the one with the least amount of traffic for this time of day? You have lots of options that you can choose from. Um, sometimes you throw out the GPS and we go back to the old-fashioned road map and we look at it and we begin to read and see what's along the way and we take detours as we go. Um, students need to understand that um, detours are a good thing. Sometimes we, we have to take a detour in order to get where we need to go. Um, another concern that we have at this point in time is trying to provide both a virtual and a physical space to accommodate learners. Um, Dr. David Lurcher has published a book just recently called The Learning Commons where he talks about bringing technology and all of the resources and the specials that some 
schools call them into one place so that when students come in, if they're working on a PowerPoint or they're working on a multimedia presentation, that there's assistance there, there's equipment there for them to use. If they're looking for information about career, maybe there's a career counselor there, maybe the guidance counselor is there. Um, maybe they need small rooms to do small interviews with, places where they can work together. There are lots of these types of activities that we need to create in our school buildings to provide a place for students to come together because we know that students are very collaborative and they like to work together, but so often the structure of our school day doesn't allow for that. Um, so that's one of the things that we want to look at tonight. So what we want to do is participate in a discussion in how we can move our libraries forward to being the crossroads of learning. Uh, I really believe that uh, for a long time we talked about the library being the hub of the building. And I really have come to dislike that because the hub means that it's all staying here in the center. You know, all everything comes to the center, but it stays there. But if you think about the library being the crossroads, means that one has to pass through another. You know, we would talk a lot about transfer of knowledge, and the library is the perfect place to talk about it. I haven't been able to really focus a lot on what's happening in the chat, but I've been seeing some um, discussions going on about using the different databases um, and the, the uh, pathfinders that are going on. The skills that we teach in the library for information are Charlie lost her mic for a second there. Um, hmm. Charlie, two things we can try. I'm assuming you can hear me. Two things we can try. Okay. Um, if you want to go back, back up to the audio setup wizard and, and see if that troubleshoots it. Up under tools, audio, audio, audio setup wizard. The other thing I wind up doing is just logging out of the room for a minute and coming back in and that seems to reset things, but see if the audio wizard does the trick. Yes, Alicia, that was happening to me with Doug Johnson last night, and, and I would uh, log out and log in, and that would take care of it. All right, I'm looking back at comments. Okay, Charlie, we lost your video too, but assuming you're working on it. Um, worst case, why don't you close this window, Charlie, and then log back in to illuminate. You won't lose anything because we're here. Everything will stay as is. And it'll just take you two minutes to log out and log back in. And then you'll probably be all set with your sound. Am I back? 
Yes, yes, there you are. Okay, somebody, somebody noticed that my mic icon in the participants list had gone away. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. All right, yay! I don't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about crossroads. Yes, we were talking about crossroads of learning, and I was talking about the fact that um, the library is the place where the transfer of knowledge occurs, and the skills that we teach during the time that we have students in the library um, allow us to teach a student how to take that 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 database, that Gale database, and use it whether or not they're in their English class, they're in their math class, or they're in their science class. But more and beyond that, I think it's important that we help students to understand that the search for information doesn't stop when they leave high school. Um, that we actually have to find information out every day of our life and those skills that we have as part of the 21st century learning, whether it's the partnership or whether it's the ISTE standards, are, students that students, are skills that students are going to need no matter what they progress. Now, <clears throat> uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what is a 21st century library, and I know you're having some sidebar conversations there in the chat room, but I, I'd kind of like for several of you to weigh in on what do you think the 21st century library is, and I'm going to try to uh, capture some of those here so that we can all see them. So if you could go ahead and post in the box there or uh, raise your hand and uh, we'll call on you. By the way, I see we're up to 39 participants and that's wonderful. Okay, creating podcast. A facilitator of knowledge. Computers. Smart boards. Online catalogs. 21st century literacy skills. Using technology to ebooks, academic support. to a website. All right, I think that kind of gives us an idea of what a 21st century library should have into place. 
Buffy Hamilton. She runs a great library program, and I love her website. Um, so much fun to go to the Unquiet Library. If you're not familiar with her, uh, that and Joyce Valenza is another one that does some great things out of the Springfield Township. And Walter and I were just talking about Joyce earlier, and she's going to be doing a session on Friday at five o'clock. So, and just presented two nights ago. Yes, she. Oh, I hope some of these are archived and I get a chance yes, to see them. That was one thing yes, about being able to go, you know, be going away. All right. According to the definitions that I ran across when I was doing some research for this, the basic definition that they talked about for Library 2.0 is that the emphasis is placed on user-centered participation. And I think it was very obvious from many of your comments about what you felt should be there that uh, the user was important. And the creation of content and community-based services. And in this case, the community could be the outside community, it could be the school community, or it could be that global community that we were just talking about. It's always amazing when I see uh, the collaboration between um, people using Skype. One of the things that I'm very excited about is a number of young adult and children's authors are now making themselves available to do presentations um, through Skype. Um, and to me, that's just out, uh, an outstanding way to bring an author to your community and uh, saving a lot of money in the process. Um, so, uh, and creation of content and community-based services is what we talk about when we talk about the Partnership for 21st Century Skills, we talk about ISTE skills, we talk about the 21st Century Skills, uh, Skills for 21st Century Learners. We're talking about being able to make something new out of the knowledge that you have on hand. It includes a mix of traditional materials, and I listed some of them there, and some of you guys already had uh, um, some suggestions up there. Um, I like Skype an author. That's a great place to go. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so what do students want or expect from the library? And once again, I'd like to hear your feedback on that before we talk about it in depth. What do they want or expect from the library? Answers. <laughs> Info right now. A ready-made paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every book on the book list. A 
that guidance goes back to what I said at the very beginning that we need that students want that guidance. Uh, they don't want us to tell them they need it, but they know that they do need it. And they don't want to be shushed. Um, they don't want to go back in time after that using the iPhone when they walk in the door. Uh, speaking of the iPhone, and I noticed several of you were talking about Gail earlier. I understand that Gail is coming out with an app for the iPhone. I don't know whether it's going to be on any of the other ones. That um, is a app. Uh, actually, puts a little app on your uh, or a widget for the Gale databases, and it will actually find a library near you using geolocation. And um, you can either go to that library or you can search that library's um, card catalog or their Gale database to find out information. Um, you know the answers to your questions. Um, I have a new smartphone, and I spent a lot of time um, showing my sister and brother-in-law. You know, they'd ask a question, and I'd go, "Well, let me let me look it up for you." And I was looking it up. You know, I think that that's the kind of thing that um, we're really uh, going to see more and more of uh, in the future. Most of the major database uh, companies right now have, if you go to their uh, home page and go to their support section, they actually have widgets and, uh, that you can actually share with students that they can drop down right on their Facebook pages that um, will allow them to have a place right on their Facebook, where, which is where most of them are, are living these days, that will actually take them right into the database. Um, what do folks use for library databases? That's a, that's a question um, that we can pose and get some information from. So what does a, a library user for the 2.0 look like? It's the following profile. <clears throat> They're information addicted, eager for quick access to current and, in many instances, personalized electronic information. Um, how many of your students uh, are using RSS feeds? Can I see a show of hands? If, if you've taught your students how to do a search on any of our online databases, and set it up, at, uh, like ProQuest will allow you to set up alerts. Some do RSS feeds, et cetera. So only one person is doing that at this point. Okay. Oh, well, we've got two hands uh, at this point. That's something that you may want to begin doing. I know that many of the vendors are now creating um, places online is part of their databases where students can store their information, create dynamic links to go back to their searches. Um, of course, we've got to get the kids into the library to show them how to do these things, and that's part of the dragging them, kicking them, screaming. But I think that's what, you're, what we need to say is, I can teach you fast easy, effective ways to do your research and show teachers how to do it. I don't think teachers come as often because they don't want to 
they don't always have the information that the group of you have that enables them to be able to know that these tools are even out there. There are definitely um, any suggestions for those that have a full-time teaching schedule to balance students coming into the library? Um, hang on to those questions and, and we'll try to get all of those at the end. Um, increasingly self-sufficient navigating the resources and making choices with no expert guides. Um, I think we see this all the time that um, Students think that they know exactly where to go to look for information. Um, one of the fun activities I always did with my uh, seniors was I would have a contest to see who could find the, the correct information first. I would divide them into three groups. I would give one of them the old-fashioned reader's guide to periodical literature and say, I want you to look and see if you can find the answer here. Another group would be asked to look for it in the uh, card catalog, which was automated at that time. And another group, I would say, try to do it on the Google uh, search engine and to see who could find the information the fastest. And amazingly, sometimes finding it in the book format was faster than it was online. So it's kind of interesting that we need to demonstrate that using the Internet isn't always the fastest way to find the information that we need. And they're increasingly satisfied with the quality of information they find on the web. One of the things that we need to start teaching kids is about the authority. Just as we do uh, before there was the Internet and we, we ask the librarian to pull a stack of books and put them on a cart for us, those books were pre-selected based on their uh, opinion or their validity, their authority. Who was the author? What did the review say about this information? And we put them on a card and we said, okay, these are the things that we want you to use. Or we knew that whatever was in the library was going to be pretty accurate. Nowadays, you don't know unless you've been taught how to judge the information that you find on the Internet. We can all cite particular uh, websites. Um, the most famous one probably is the Martin Luther King site that looks pretty good until you start digging down and you find out that it's written by a white supremacist group. So uh, it's very important that we teach kids that anybody can post anything on the Internet. So that's one of the things that uh, I feel is something that we can take these characteristics and try to make our lessons or, or what we do reach out to them. They prefer online library resources versus print resources. Uh, in the article that was just recently in the New York Times, it was part of a commentary on what students want. They do prefer to go online for everything except their print resources that they're going to use for pleasure reading. There's still many of them that want the, um, the print verses. How many of you have, your kin have Kindles already or do read online in some form or fashion uh, for fiction books? Let me see a show of hands of those of you that are doing it that way. How many of you have Kindles? Peg loves her Kindle. 
Oh, not too many people have them. Um, Santa didn't bring me one. Uh, well, we'll have to have a talk with Santa then. Kindles are an E-rate issue. The new ones have unfiltered up. Okay. Julia, if you could expand on that for just a second about um, how are Kindles being used on that? <laughs> you don't have a Kindle. I like free books in the libraries. Well, I think we all do. Um, but I'm interested to find out about that. Uh, the new Kindle has access to a web browser that is 3G. So, what makes the difference between using your Kindle with a web browser versus a student who has the internet on their phone? If the school owns the device. But the problem is with that, um, at this point, Amazon is saying that Kindles were not designed to be used in a school um, environment, that uh, the license that comes with them does not um, entitle you to add books to it and share it with others. It's supposed to be for a single use. And I believe that you're right, Jodan, about the fact that the AUP policies need to be worked out. I think it's a challenge. I happen to have that um, uh, dubious honor of being uh, in charge of Internet safety here in our school division. Uh, and we're constantly talking about uh, what are we going to do about the AUP. And when we, the Internet safety legislation came into effect here in Virginia, um, we spent a long time, and it required the changing of several of our policies um, as a result. <clears throat> All right, so what else do these kids want? They are obsessed with emails, instant messaging, blogs, wikis, gaming, and online shopping. And I think that there are times that we are all in the same boat. Um, my internet at home went out when the snow went out and uh, hasn't been restored yet. And I didn't realize how much of my time in the evening I spent involved in some type of internet activity until it wasn't there. Um, so that's why I'm in my office tonight instead of at home where the rest of you guys probably are. Um, uh, Julie, after this is all over, I I'd like to have a conversation with you about the um, CIFA requirements and how you're using Kindles in schools. So here's the next topic for discussion. Um, and since we have a lot of classroom teachers here uh, tonight, I'm going to um, change this. Instead of school librarians, I'm going to say, and classroom teachers. What skills do we need to have to be effective guides on things? Um, 
How about giving us a shout out here and tell me what you think some of the skills are that we need. Let's see if I can move this one up. There we go. I can move this. What are the skills that we need to be effective at what we're doing now? Flexibility, differentiation, do you know how hard it is to type and spell correctly when everybody's watching? <laughs> Technology know-how. Interdepartmental communication, that is so important. Um, okay. Multitasking. Risk takers. Keeping current. Yes, and we're all trying to multitask all the time. Um, but I think that the, the points that you've made here are so valuable. Do you feel that at times, let me see a show of hands, that you've got to keep up with the kids in order to be effective as a teacher? was how many of you feel that you've got to keep a, you have to keep current with the technology in order to be effective. You have to be able to speak your line. What is this Facebook thing? Um, my sister asked me that question. She said that her grandchildren, grandsons were there um, two weeks ago and they signed her up for a Facebook account. But she says, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, it can be a real problem for elementary schools. All right, Sandy says, I think you have to learn right along with the kids. Um, I can remember when I was first learning to do word processing uh, back in the dark ages. Um, the kids were the ones that taught me. They were taking the classes that were being taught, and they would come in and they would show me how to do things. 
um, they do love to show us new things. And um, if the teachers are open to learning from someone younger, well, I love to learn new things about technology. And most of the time, the kids are the ones that, that, that teach me. Or they show me a different way of doing something that I've already been doing. Um, I learned how to type on a typewriter, so did I. So, I remember I said I'm going to change this so that it's characteristics of maybe an educator 2.0 instead of a librarian or a classroom teacher. It's the characteristics of what do we need to bring to the table. And I think the capacity to learn constantly and quickly has definitely been ev is evidenced in what you've said over in the chat box. And no, new ways of organizing and accessing resources. Uh, I love learning different things. One of the things that I just got into not too long ago was a site called Zoho, Z-O-H-O.com. And I love it because it helped me to organize projects in a different way than I had been doing. And I could bring my Google Mail into it. I could bring my work email into it. I could bring my calendar there. I had my folders there. So uh, love Evernote for organizing. Um, that's another really good one that I like. I, I haven't used it as much as I've used the other ones. Um, and I love things like Digo, which helped me to figure out um, my bookmarks and where I put things and being able to go in and highlight things. Um, so we're really seeing some, some things change in the way that we do business. Monitoring trends in technology. You obviously are doing that now or else you wouldn't be here at 20 minutes of 10 on a Tuesday night. Um, and we have to be able to work independently as well as work on a team. But I think that the team work is just crucial to what we have to do. Tycho is a librarian's friend. Um, space, uh, AAA space. Um, so we have to have, be able to take risk. Um, I remember that the library used to be the first place the technology came. I've been around since Hector was a pup and we did 16 millimeter projectors and we threaded them manually and we had to get the sound loop just right or else it wasn't working and the film would go flop, 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 flop. Um, anybody else out there um, of that generation? Oh yes, the AV class. Um, um, you bet, very good thing. Um, Oh good, and Jim, yes, I was there. And I was so excited when we finally got the one that had button number three, um, that lever that would restore that loop for us so that we could go on. And anybody that has ever tried to use technology with a group of students knows that that is working under, under pressure. Um, what happens if it doesn't go right? That's why it, I love the idea of having the instructional technology support 
uh, team that comes into the classroom and works with the teacher, works with the librarian to make sure that the technology is working well. I like the fact that tonight we've had Walter here to help walk us through things. And uh, when my sound went down, that somebody was there to help me figure out what it was. Um, and I think we definitely have to be user-oriented. We have to be skillful in fostering change. And I think it's crucial that we have a sense of humor about ourselves. We have to be committed to uh, formal and informal education. We don't want to be the ones that have to be drugged into the situation. We want to be the ones that are dragging, encouraging, or bringing people um, <coughs> to come into that. Um, we need to be able to let people know via a newsletter, or a web page, a wiki page. Uh, there was some conversation about teachers and uh, having a presence on Facebook and being out there in the social network where the, where the students are. Uh, within guidelines, I think that's a great opportunity for many of us to be able to do that. And I also think that it is so, so crucial that we read professional literature outside of our field. One of the articles that I read in preparation for this was written from an economist's point of view. And, they, and we'll get to that slide in a few minutes. But I think it's important that we become involved in the design and usability, that we continue to have this cooperation with, with one another and with others, not just right here in our own uh, district, but we need to do that through meetings like uh, Christy has arranged for us. And we need to be an advocate for our, for our profession and being able to let people know what we're capable of doing. Um, so we've talked about some of the things the students are using. Uh, we've talked about the fact that they are famous for their open-ended Google searches, their Facebook and other social networking sites, school purchase databases, and peer-to-peer -peer sharing. Um, all of that is part of the conversation as well. Um, one of the things that some of the states have done is they have gone together with the um, conversation with um, the public libraries and are jointly purchasing databases so that we can all use them together uh, so that we level the playing field for our students. Peer-to-peer um, -peer sharing. Um, more and more I'm seeing where students are sharing their research with one another. Hopefully they're not copying it, but they're you know, letting them know, this is where I found some information. That's the beauty of wikis and having these conversations so that we can share what we're noticing. I notice over in the chat bar there's a lot of sharing of sites going on. So it really does make a difference if we take the time to do that. <coughs> I talked earlier about widgets, about online storage. Um, I can remember when thumb drives came out, that was all the big thing. Now kids don't do that. They just save their files in some type of online storage. A lot of school divisions are using Google, and everybody has an iPage, and they're sharing documents that way. Those are really some cool things as well. Um, library websites such as Bobby Hamilton's and Joyce Valenza's, and we have uh, 
Lori Donovan, who is on here right now. I know her site is Thomas Dale High School in Chester, Virginia, has a great uh, website. Uh, when they were um, building the new library, they ran a virtual library for um, a year. Uh, from an, out, an other location. So the fact that their library's website became the only research tool that those students had. So it really became an important factor in what they were doing. Um, so what, what do we need to do as our expanding role? We need to develop a curriculum that acknowledges today's rapidly changing communication context. One of the conversations that we're involved in right now is do we go with an electronic textbook? What are the pros and cons of having that? What kind of technology is going to be needed? What's the cost? Is it going to be a greater cost for um, having an electronic version versus having a print version? Lots of questions. Uh, what about the copyright regulations? I don't think there's a textbook being published today that doesn't have a website that goes along with it. Many of them have modules that we drop right back down to um, into Blackboard or, or our Angel or whatever um, um, digital learning environment your school division has. Um, I think I'm, I'm writing this. I think, and Walter, uh, I can mute my mic so that you can answer this for us. I know that my part of the conversation is, is being recorded. Will the contents of the chat room be available? So I'm going to cut my mic off so you can answer that. Yes, everything in here is recorded and is part of the archive session. Great. So somebody said they were trying to take notes just a minute ago with taking them the old-fashioned way. It's nice to know that you can go back and capture this later. The chat window is still too small. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I think that's a setting on your end. <laughs> um, open source textbooks. Uh, I know that here at Arlington, we did look at some open source textbooks and we uh, explored some options of being able to create our own textbooks. But one of the challenges we're facing is, does every student have the technology at hand to be able to use an electronic textbook? Um, so that's kind of interesting. And we need to help students communicate and participate fully in these new environments. Uh, internet safety is a major issue for all of us in um, the E-rate concerns. And now E-rate is being tied back to internet safety. Um, yes, um, McMillan was one. And I believe Prentice Hall is another one that is also um, looking at that. Um, yeah, and I, the textbook information is awesome. So, we mentioned earlier that we're developing the new global citizen. Um, last year, we had uh, some students. We have a sister school in Aruba. And last year, there was a teacher in Arlington who actually was teaching the lesson. And the students in Aruba were watching the lesson at the same time and participating in the conversation. And that's just one of many that's taking place around the country right now and around the world as we understand 
how that global citizenship really narrows it down and we're only limited by our imagination. Um, video conferencing is great. Does anybody out there use TalkBox yet, which allows you to do 19 video uh, little video squares at a time? I haven't tried that yet. I think that would be kind of fun to play around with. Yes, it is free. Um, I think it's T-O-X, B-O-X. Um, you can do a, a, a search on it. Yeah. So um, you just have little squares that come up on the screen, and I'm not sure who would want to do it. Um, we must reinvent our roles. Remember I mentioned earlier to you that um, one of the articles I read was from an economist. Um, and one of the things that they said was, in order to be successful, you must constantly be reinventing yourself. And I thought that is so true about education, is that we must find ways to involve ourselves in projects and products and plans that ensure our continued employment, but also to have a positive effect on the bottom line. And what is the bottom line? is student achievement. That's what we all want to make sure that we have in place. Um, we need to have an effort to make a maximum impact on instruction. The success of our, our, our library is, is our role. If I don't have in my library what students need, what students want, what teachers need, what teachers want, then I am going to be dragging them, kicking and screaming. I don't want to do that. I want them coming in there because there's always something very, very exciting left to do. So um, we need to make sure that we change things. We need to continually reinvent ourselves and align ourselves with what's happening. Um, these are some predictions that I found about the future of libraries, which I were, it, thought was interesting. That it would be both a physical and a virtual institution. I notice I've left out the word virtual there. Um, it's going to serve a variety of purposes. Uh, some of the articles that I read talked about the fact that many of the materials in the library will never be digitized. Uh, the Library of Congress has said that many of the materials that they have will never be digitized because in order to digitize them, you um, would actually have to destroy them. Technology and media continue to interact in unexpected ways, but uh, it's going to be more rather than fewer. We've got to keep on top of this. Uh, the book is still going to survive, though. Um, and it's going to be the core of public libraries as well as good academic libraries. So our goal should be to improve and diversify what libraries do well and not throw out one to bring something else in, but add it on to what we're constantly doing all the time. Now, I do have a bibliography here of some of the articles that I pulled from, and I did send Walter a handout that had a lot more in there as well. Um, so we're back around to the beginning again now. Um, I would like for you, if you would, to, uh, if you have a mic, if you would raise your hand and speak, to share what you think about what we've talked or what I've talked about tonight, 
um, as far as how do we, what are your, what are you doing to move people forward in developing the skills that they need to be 21st century learners? So, and, and Walter will uh, call on you. Um, let's see, Gail Lewis, you want the mic. Gail, are you there? No, I took your mic away. Come on, Gail. Come on, Gail. All right, I'm going to mute my mic, Gail. Does anybody want to share, have some ideas, some thoughts that they want to share out? Nope, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't think so, Gail. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, somebody else? Questions, comments, comments, thoughts? Well, I think she was right. You certainly gave them lots of food for thought, Charlie. And I can tell from the way the conversation went in the chat box that what you were saying resonated very strongly with the audience. Thank you. Uh, it, it really is something that I'm really concerned about. Um, the collaboration was priceless that was going on uh, throughout. I, I was able to watch some of it. Um, it, it was the first time I've ever done anything like this. So I wasn't really quite sure how to proceed. Um, so if you have suggestions of ways that we could make this better, I certainly would love to hear it. Oh, good. There is a survey link. Um, I think most of you are seeing the survey link right now. Right now. And it will be your, in your email, too. But uh, we'd love to get that feedback. And Charlie, after we compile the feedback we'll be glad to share with you as well. But I can't thank you enough um, coming back, just getting off the plane this afternoon and rolling in, giving us the time, sharing your expertise. Uh, we couldn't ask for a better way to wrap up this Tuesday night. Would you all give Charlie a hand, please? Well, Thank all of you very much for, for being here today, for being here tonight. I hope you have a great week. For those of you that want snow, I hope you get lots. For those of us who are tired of snow, I hope it's over with and that we have a beautiful early spring. <laughs> you don't here, want here. snow. Here, here. Here, here. All right. Good night to all of you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. As you all know, um, as we wrap up the session, we need to clear out the room so we can archive. So I should finish saying thank you to Charlie and also uh, saying good night to each other. Uh, please enjoy the rest of your evening. Rest up. Tomorrow is a big day. Get some great sessions. And um, thank you for coming and being part of this tonight. And please remember, you need to exit the entire window to leave the room. The little exit door with the blue arrow is not exiting the room. It's just an away from keyboard icon. So close the entire window, and uh, then we'll be ready to archive.
Alright, Walter, I'm going to shut mine down now. Charlie, go get a Walter Surprise. Thanks, see you later.